Well, folks, this morning um, we are going to be looking at this really obscure character in the Bible that nobody knows who he is. Nobody, even to this day. And I was frustrated as I was studying because I was like, I want there to be, I want there to be a definitive um, answer when I study. I want to be able to to come to a conclusion and say, this is what it's talking about. And there's not. So join with me in my frustration this morning as we study and learn about a man named Theophilus. Anybody have any idea where Theophilus is found in the Bible? You can raise your hand. Go ahead. No, close, but not there. It was Luke's friend that he wrote to. He was Luke's friend that Luke wrote to. So turn with me to the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And turn with me to the first chapter of the gospel of the uh, the book of Acts. Keep your finger in both places. So the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and then the first chapter of the book of Acts. Luke chapter one, verses one through four. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Keeping your finger there. Turn with me now to the book of Acts, chapter 1. We're going to be reading the first five verses. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. And then we read already this morning, um, or I just shared with the children this morning, about this command that Jesus had just before he was ascended into heaven, about staying in Jerusalem until they receive the power from the Holy Spirit so that they can be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And then he was lifted up. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. There's no question in historians' minds. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. There's absolutely no question in historians' minds that he was the author. Luke, if you know anything, if you haven't, if you don't know anything about it, let me tell you, Luke was a a physician. Luke was a man of science. Luke was a man who um, was meticulous. Luke was one who wanted facts. Luke was one who um, who researched. Luke was one who interviewed. Luke was one who literally went to the horse's mouth for the truth, if you will. And it said right in here. In verse 2 of chapter 1 of Luke's gospel, um, 
just as those who from the beginning were eyewitness and ministers of the word, um, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account to you. <coughs> Excuse me. And literally what Luke is known to have done in the writing of the gospel and in the writing of the book of Acts was he went to the source. Luke was not one of the original apostles. He wasn't selected by Jesus and followed Jesus for the three years. He came to faith in Christ at some point. He was part of the fellowship. He traveled with, with, with the apostle Paul all through his missionary journeys, but Luke was not there at the beginning. But if you notice, if you look at the Gospel of Luke, Luke gives a genealogy of Jesus. Luke, tell, Luke is the only one that tells the story about the, um, the, the shepherds in the field abiding in, in the, over, at night, watching over their flocks when the angels came to them and announced to them the birth of the, of the child. Luke is the one that talks about um, um, the, uh, the, the birth of John the Baptist with his mom and dad and his father serving at the uh, Zechariah serving at the uh, the temple and having the 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 interaction with the angel Gabriel all of this is written by Luke if you look at the other gospels we don't have that information Luke has been his meticulous very careful uh, and uh, research has given us such deep rich history of what the church was like from the time of Jesus's birth or just even a little bit before his birth all the way through until the missionary journeys of Paul and it is ironic to me that this meticulous researcher would leave such a glaring hole for us because we haven't a clue who he was writing to all we know is that this person's name was Theophilus now the name Theophilus is Greek it was a common name. It's like John Smith. It wasn't one that was obscure. So many different people had the name Theophilus. They didn't necessarily have to be Roman or Greek. They were, there were Jewish people who were named Theophilus. What does Theophilus mean? It means Theo means God. And then Philio, if you will, is love. So Theophilus is the lover of God. So was he named Theophilus or was he known as Theophilus, the lover of God? We don't know. One comment that has been owned by a number of scholars is that this was a generic term that Luke was using to write the, the gospel and the book of Acts to. So he was saying, to all the lovers of God. I don't like that one. And I know a number, a number of people rejected that. But there, that is one train of thought. Others have said it is a Greek name. And if you look at the way the Gospel of Luke is written, Luke specifically explained things that were Jewish that might not have been understood by a Greek reader. So if you look at the, at the, at the study of the Gospel, it is thought that the book of Luke was written to a Greek-speaking audience, to a Greek-cultured audience, where uh, Matthew was more for, for this audience, and, and I don't have it in front of me, so I can't quote it, but Luke is thought to be the Greek audience. So it makes sense then to think that, that Theophilus might have been a Greek-speaking person, or it might have been someone from the Roman world. There are some people who think that 
Theophilus was some leader in Rome that came in contact with Paul's message of the gospel, came to an, an initial faith of Christ, and that Luke then compiled the gospel and the book of Acts as a way to disciple this new convert. Because if you look in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, I have written this, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Luke's intent in writing this book to Theophilus was to put a better foundation underneath the guy's belief system. To help him to own his, his newfound faith. <clears throat> there were some scholars using this idea of Theophilus being a ruler in, 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 in some Roman capacity was that maybe he was part of the court system and that indeed he had heard the gospel and, and, and owned it and was, was, or at least was evaluating it and that Luke actually wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts as kind of a defense for the Apostle Paul in his presentation of this is why he shouldn't be tried and this is, this is what he wants to say to Caesar when he gets to him. This is, this is possibly a dissertation, if you will, that Luke put together for Paul to be able to present when he went to the Caesar. A statement, a simple, specific statement from the very beginning of Christ's announcement of his birth all the way through to his death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And now the people of God who are followers of this Christ are now spreading the gospel because that's what they were commanded to do. And that's what Paul is doing. So there's this sense that maybe this was a legal argument this, this, it was a, it was a, 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 a letter written so that the judge, if you will, or the prosecutor, if you will, or the person who's hearing Paul's argument before he gets entered into uh, the calendar to go before, uh, the, the, the Caesar. We don't know. We have no idea. But that's one other theory. One last theory that came up, and this one I found really interesting. There was a guy named Theophilus who served for four years in Jerusalem as the high priest. Now remember at the time of Jesus, the Roman government actually appointed the high priest. If you go back and look at the story of Annas and Caiaphas during the time of Christ, the high priest was more of a political office than it was an actual priestly office. And so Theophilus is recorded in history. You can go to the writings of Josephus and he is recorded as having held the office of high priest for four years. It is also understood that, that Theophilus, the high priest, was a student under Gamaliel. And what is significant about that is the Apostle Paul was a student under Gamaliel. So this chronicler that I was reading said, imagine this. And again, I'm making this up. I have no proof of it. But imagine this. The Apostle Paul, a student of Gamaliel, is in the same school class under this teacher Gamaliel with a guy named Theophilus. And ultimately... The Apostle Paul becomes this leader of this new sect of the Jewish people known as the Way or Christians. And Theophilus enters into a specific role as the high priest over all of Judah. And now Theophilus and, G and Paul, these, these 
Former students under Gamaliel who were buddies in class and studied together are now at polar opposites. And Theophilus says, I'm hearing all of this, Paul, and I'm wondering, can you help me to understand what this is that you really are saying you believe? How can you say this is still Jewish? And Paul talks about it with his friend Luke, and he says, man, wow, I wish there was some way that we could show Theophilus. I mean, he's, he's the head guy. Isn't there some way we could show him? And Luke says, it seemed good to me to put together this for you, O Theophilus. One last thing when we're looking at this idea of Theophilus and who he was. If you look in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, it says, um, yeah, where is it? Verse 3, it says, It seemed good to me also, having followed all these closely, all these things closely for some time to pass, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. If you look in the, in the book of Acts, he doesn't say that title, most excellent Theophilus. That was reserved for the king or somebody in a high office. And it's possible, again, this commentator said, it's possible that he started the book of Luke when Theophilus was still in the role of high priest. But remember, he was only high priest for four years. And it could be that by the time he finished the writing of the book of Acts, Theophilus was no longer the high priest, but he was still writing to him. So now he just simply says, O Theophilus, instead of O most excellent Theophilus. Again, we have no definitive proof. We have none. All we know is there was some guy named Theophilus who Luke knew. We can get from what we read that this Theophilus had heard about the Christian message and quite possibly based on what we hear in um, the first part of the, in the, in the, in the Gospel of Luke that he had come to faith a rudimentary faith probably, but faith in the gospel. And Luke has now compiled this very meticulous, carefully studied and carefully written treatise on what it means to be an under, a believer in Jesus. And then you can start reading the book for yourself. And we're not going to this morning, obviously. But think about that. If somebody... If somebody that you knew, that you cared about, who was a friend, came up to you and said, you know what? For years, for years, I poo-pooed all this religion stuff. But just the other day, I was driving down China Hot Springs Road and some jerk cut me off right at the Little China Bridge and I had to slam on my brakes and the end result was that I went into a rollover and there were three people involved in that accident and all three of us walked away. And I can't get away from that because as people wrote on my Facebook page, they kept saying, someone was watching out for you. Someone was watching out for you. You had someone upstairs who was taking care of you. And I've never thought about it before. But man, I can't get away from that. It just is, it's just stymieing me to think that I could have died in that accident. But maybe truly there is somebody that was watching out for me. And I, I've never even thought about that before. What do you think? 
If something like that was said to you and asked of you, what would be your response? Now, every single one of you have a different personality. Every single one of you have a different way of communicating. Some of you are probably very meticulous and and methodical and logical and would want to put together an exact accounting from start to finish showing a method, a methodology and a showing a history and, and being able to fill in all the details. Some of you are more broad stroke people and you just want to show the beauty of the story and then just fill it in with, some of you would want to pull in all of the old prophecies and talk about, you know, when, when Isaiah said this, this is where, and, but imagine that's what, that's what Luke did. He was thinking about his friend Theophilus. And he wrote this incredibly long, long, two-book letter, work, dissertation, whatever you want to call it, with the intent of helping his friend solidify or come to a deeper and richer faith in Jesus in the same way that Luke had. See, Luke had the benefit of walking side by side, day by day, with the Apostle Paul. He had the New Testament as a, as a, as a partner in, 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 in travel. They could sit over the, at the dinner and, and have conversations. They could reflect in the morning prayer time about what God has been doing. And it, but this Theophilus, for whatever reason, didn't have access to any of that. And Luke put together this incredible resource that literally has lasted 2,000 plus years. So again, the question for me, and this is, this is what I wanted to focus on for just a moment this morning as we're closing up. What would you say if you were asked, what does it mean? And I, I want to give you a chance to think because I want to hear you right now. I mean, we're going to take a moment. But what would you say if someone asked you? I've never thought about it before. But you've always seemed to have a faith that seems to steady you through everything. What is it that makes you believe the way you believe? What would you say? Anybody? Any thoughts that just jumped out at you? Huh? You're not ready yet. There's more for you to do. Okay. Maggie? It's in. It's in. It's in. Do things in God's time. Okay. Yeah. 
case, thinking about somebody in this community and having only been, only known Jesus as my personal Savior for um, what, 11 years, I would say, I'm thinking about maybe somebody who knew me, you, you've known me a long time. And, you know, and now I, I know Jesus and do, how, how you know him, where, where is he to you? Who is he to you? And then I would just talk about um, how I didn't know him before and, and how I came to know him. I would just really give him my personal story. Um, let, me, let me take us back a few weeks ago when I preached about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. For those of you who were here. When Philip got up that morning, did he know that he was going to have to give a dissertation on Isaiah chapter 53? No. How was he prepared and ready to give that dissertation in the moment it was needed? Well, Holy Spirit, yes. But but, but I would I would submit to you that Except in the case of miraculous impartation, God can only pull out of the database what has been put into the database. Okay? That doesn't mean that God can't speak through a person miraculously. But I think it is much more likely that what you've put into your heart and into your brain, God will readily pull out when you're in conversation with somebody. So if it is your desire to truly be an effective witness whether it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the ends of the earth, whether God calls you to do it here in your own community or in the greater Fairbanks area or in the state of Alaska or anywhere in the world, it would behoove you to make it a regular practice to put in what is needed to come out. Reading the word of God. Prayerfully asking the Holy Spirit, where should I read? What do you want for me to study this week? Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows what's coming down the pike. So you say to the Holy Spirit of God, should I continue the path that I've been on of reading the gospel of whatever? Or did you want me to do something different this day? And as the Holy Spirit leads you, then you do whatever he tells you to do. And then as you're sitting in the laundromat, or you're sitting at the Two Rivers Lodge, or you're at Fred Meyer's standing at the cash register, all of a sudden, the conversation gets started that you had no idea was going to happen that day. And the Holy Spirit of God can bring out what was put in that morning or yesterday or the day before. See, we get all wrapped up in this. Oh, I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to do this. There's this. There's the ABCs of the of salvation and I don't have those memorized. And Well, there's the Roman road, but I can never remember which one comes first. Is it Romans 6.23 or is it Romans 3.23? I can always get oh, so confused. Being a witness is telling what you know to someone who doesn't know. If you witnessed the accident yesterday that happened on Little China Bridge then you would be able to speak to the troopers and say, this is what I saw. Now, if you read the Facebook account, it would be totally inappropriate for you to go to the troopers and say, this is what I know. Because you don't know. You just know hearsay. 
But if you've actually experienced for yourself the Word of God, the impartation of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, the power that you experience when the Holy Spirit is using you in a powerful and cool way, these are things you can speak to with confidence. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to mess it up because it's your story. They can't argue your story. They don't have to necessarily agree with you and that's okay because it shouldn't affect your faith if they don't come to faith, right? Because if they don't come, then not coming to faith affects your faith, you've got a problem. But if you know that you know that you know and you've experienced 11 years or 43 years or 2 years or whatever it is, a walk with Christ, speak to that. You don't have to go beyond what you don't know. And if somebody asks you the question, you go, oh, I never heard that before. Then your answer is, oh, I never heard that before. Let's go look together. Or let's go talk to my pastor. And he'll know. And if he doesn't, he'll find out. See, we get so wrapped up. I can't do it. I can't be a witness because it's too hard. Luke used his own skill, his own background, his own training, his own personality to respond to a question that his friend Theophilus asked him. He happened to do it in a really big, huge way, which benefited all of us, but I believe that that was prompted by the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> I seriously doubt that most of you are going to be asked to write two books of the New Bible. Yes, sir. Since I started doing the sound booth, and I started picking the songs myself, and then down the blue, Holy Spirit said to me, "No, I want these." And for months there, I had a connection with him, and then I had started to steer off the path, and he came to me and one evening while I was at home sitting there, and he says. You know, I knew you were going to kick off that because I've been watching it for a while. And over these last few months, he's actually pulled me back on it. Praise God. So. Praise God. Praise God. I've made the point that I felt like I needed to make. I think we, each one of us are called to be witnesses. Each one of us are... <clears throat> Uh, given that promise that Jesus gave to his disciples that he stood in the book of Acts saying, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you without somebody who will guide you and give you the power and the strength that you need to do what you need to do. But the reality is, folks, it's in your hands. See ya. And he left. And I think the same thing is true for us today. You know, the, there's the there's that uh, the old adage that you know the faith uh, or the, the kingdom of God is only good for this generation. It, if we don't pass it on, it's going to stop. Now, I do believe that God is God and God is able, regardless of the faithfulness of the people in any particular situation. But the reality is, we are the ones that carry the truth. We are the ones that are supposed to be sharing it with the people we come in contact with. And if we don't, who's going to? Now, it doesn't mean the gospel's going to go away. It just means that you're going to miss the blessing of being able to share with somebody and maybe lead them to Christ. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, if we, if we set a rule for this church, you couldn't die until you replace yourself. 
At least we'd stay the same size for the rest of eternity. But anyway, let's. Let, I want to pray with you guys for a moment, and then we're gonna <clears throat> then we're gonna take some some communion and spend a little bit of time in reflection before we do take communion. Um, but let's pray.